What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pestuch. I'm your host. And today, we are going to talk about why not only is it within the scope of a coach to help clients get out of pain, but it is imperative that coaches learn how to do so. Imperative. I was inspired to do this podcast listening to episode 76 of the intro with MDV. My friend, a man I have a lot of respect for, Matt Delavalle and his co-host, Max Isaac, talked about what it means to be a professional coach on this episode of their podcast. And there was an element of the show, it was about eight or 10 minutes long in the middle somewhere, where they talked about it is a bad idea for coaches to help people get out of pain. And I texted Matt and I told him I'm going to annihilate this part of your podcast on my show because not only is it necessary that coaches do it, we need coaches doing this because if they don't, a lot of things about what coaches do can be called into question. I'm going to cover those topics on the show. Secondly, if not the coach's job to do it, whose? Well, the, the physical therapist or the chiropractors, of course. Uh, no, I'll get into why not on that also. And lastly, I believe if coaches don't learn how to solve these kinds of problems, helping people get out of pain when it's within their scope, which I will discuss, we actually set coaches up to make the problem worse for their clients when they think they're making the problem better. Hmm. Let's get into it. I want to start with that last one first because it's the one that I just think gets oversimplified over and over and over and over again. And what happens is coaches believe that they're doing a good job for their client by giving them exercises that occur in a pain-free range of motion. But what's actually happening when you scale certain exercises to certain other exercises is without realizing it, you could actually be making your client's problem worse. And I'm going to give you one very specific example. There are many. I'm going to focus on one. Let's take the person who comes to your gym who's experiencing some Achilles pain or even some plantar fascia pain. Whenever they run, they get this pain. When they walk, it may be uncomfortable, but they don't notice the pain. It's really when they start to drive off in a run that they feel this discomfort. But they don't have the pain when they row. So when the rest of the gym goes out for a run, you put this person on the rower and you ask them, how does that feel? Like, great, no problem. You just did a good job for somebody, right? Potentially, no. Potentially, you just made that person's Achilles injury worse. You just made that person's Achilles injury harder to solve. And here's why. Let's say that your client has Achilles tendonitis. That is an inflammatory condition of the Achilles tendon. The Achilles tendon wraps around the bottom of the heel and its job is in part to limit the speed with which the ankle goes through dorsiflexion, which is bringing your toes towards your shin. And in Primarily, its primary responsibility, I can't speak today, is to bring the foot and the ankle into plantar flexion. So driving off in a sprint is 
largely going to happen at the Achilles tendon. Now, the force that gets put through the Achilles when you sprint is obviously much greater than when you walk. And that's perhaps why the Achilles hurts when somebody runs. So the thought of it's okay to allow somebody to row makes sense. But here's why it doesn't. If the Achilles issue is an inflammatory condition, an itis, what that means is that it's reactive. So what that, what that effectively means for really simple terms is anything that we do to that soft tissue structure that does not include intentional time under tension in the eccentric or lengthening phase of the contraction is going to make it worse. If we cyclic ranges of motion, cyclic means that at a, at a speed that does not account for controlled eccentric. If we do that with a tendon that has an inflammatory condition in it already, we can make it worse. So when you row, even if it doesn't hurt, you are putting the Achilles tendon through cyclic flexion and extension or in the case of the tendon itself, that's the ankle joint, cyclic lengthening and contracting. Lengthening and shortening. Lengthening and shortening. All of that, without any time under tension in the eccentric phase, will create a greater degree of reactivity in the tendon. A greater degree of inflammation in the tendon. It might be subacute while you're doing it, but over time, it's like Chinese water torture. It's not a problem the first few times the drops hits you in the forehead. It's a problem after thousands of drops have hit you in the exact same spot in the forehead. That's when it starts to become an issue. You can row and not have somebody have any discomfort at all while they do it and still be making their problem worse. So I ask you, is it a good idea for a coach to look for a pain-free range of motion with a scaling or a modification and then assume that the client they're working with is fine and let the physical therapist or the chiropractor solve the rest of the problem? Or is it a problem that we might be making them worse because we don't understand the condition? Move that out. That same client doesn't have any issues when they do wall balls or squats or any of that kind of stuff. But the ankle is going through dorsiflexion and plantar flexion without any control over the eccentric phase necessarily, especially if they're slamming into the bottom. So we could be making their Achilles worse with wall balls, with air squats, if the knee is traveling out past the toe. And by the way, I think it should. So did you actually help somebody by scaling or did you potentially make them worse? If you potentially made them worse by giving them a pain-free exercise... We now need to start questioning what we're doing about everything. That's a problem, especially if we don't think that it's important or necessary or even responsible of a coach to understand why things that are being done cause discomfort, cause pain, cause issue. Where we agree, before I get into the next two topics, is it is irresponsible and inappropriate of a coach to A, diagnose a condition. If a coach is telling somebody that you have a labrum tear or you have Achilles tendonitis or you have, name your favorite condition. That is not within the scope of a coach. They are not diagnosticians. 
At Active Life, we teach coaches to develop what we call a functional diagnosis, which means, hey, you're, you're weak at doing this. Your range of motion here is limited compared to here. Your motor control doing this is substandard. We're going to improve your motor control here, your strength here, and your length here. And our belief is that that might reduce your discomfort. Are you down to do that? Yes, great. We are not promising an elimination of pain through the treatment of a diagnosis. That is the job of a doctor. Number two, we would agree, coaches do not put their hands on clients to manipulate soft tissue. Absolutely not. That is outside of the scope of a coach. Number three, coaches do not read imaging. You do not look at an x-ray, you do not look at an MRI and make the assumption that you know what's going on with that. These are all within the scope of a doctor and not within the scope of a coach. By the way, physical therapists mostly are doctors. Chiropractors all are doctors. It's a doctorate level education. Let's move on to the next topic and that is the education. The job of a physical therapist, the job of a chiropractor, can expand beyond what is taught in the school that they attend to get the education for licensure, past the boards that they take in order to gain the education for licensure, to, to demonstrate that they have the appropriate education for licensure. But let's not make two mistakes about it, or even one mistake about it. The education that they get in the school that they go to is predicated on what insurance companies will reimburse for treatment of. What that means is if, re, if insurance companies won't reimburse for it, it's not taught in school. What that means is if a chiropractor or a physical therapist wants to learn how to help somebody with a problem that would arise in a gym, out on a long run, in a sport, they are going to have to get school after their physical therapy or chiropractic school. They're going to have to get continuing education credits. They're going to have to go and learn from people in different industries. What industry do you think most of the education that they're going to get around these kinds of topics is going to come from? If you guessed strength and conditioning, you're right. Now, here's what happens. Great physical therapists and great chiropractors recognize that there is a huge gap between what happens at the end of their clinic and what happens at the end of a gym. Coaches aren't picking up the slack. So what they do is they find a client who is not able to go from the end of clinical care, which is the resolution of their ADLs, activities of daily living, into the world and become a responsible and safe member of the training society. So they bridge that gap on that client's behalf because they know the coach won't. They do that by taking the education that they have, that they gained diligently in their professional schooling and applying that knowledge towards what they learn from the strength and conditioning world. And they effectively scale and widen their scope. But make no mistake about it. When a physical therapist or a chiropractor starts helping people with problems that are arising inside of the gym or out on their long runs, they are leaving the primary scope of their medical degree 
and they are moving into the scope of a coach using the knowledge that they gained to earn their medical degree. They're applying strength and conditioning principles towards a condition that they understand in a way that the strength and conditioning coaches, the, the, the fitness coaches don't. They are taking off their doctor's jacket and they are putting on their coach's hat. When I owned my clinic and my gym, I had a clinic that was attached to a gym. There was a big heavy door in between the two because it used to be a manufacturing facility. And I used to laugh to myself as I would walk through that door with a patient and take them into the gym. Because what I understood is I am leaving my doctorate behind and I am putting my coach hat on when I walk into the gym. It was almost like walking out Clark Kent and becoming Superman when you cross that threshold. It's the job of the coach to understand what a doctor would tell them about their client and then take the baton and help that client finish the job. That's reality. Now, what happens is oftentimes we don't have the communication between that doctor and that coach. And so now what happens is we're saying, well, then the coach shouldn't do anything. No, bullshit. The coach needs to understand what a doctor would have told them. And they need to understand where their scope begins. And they need to understand how to keep a person safe and how to help a person continue to get better. The doctor's job is not to help them return to sport. The doctor's job is not to help them exercise more effectively. The doctor's job, doctor, physical therapist, chiropractor, doctor. The doctor's job is not to evaluate somebody's kipping pull-up and identify why that movement is causing them shoulder pain. The doctor's job is not to figure out why back pain comes on at 315 pounds of a deadlift and not 300. That is the coach's job. This is why people finish their physical therapy and they're told to ease back into it and then they go to a gym and a coach has no idea what to do. They are still not out of the woods. The client is still not out of the woods. And it's when people talk about things like coaches shouldn't be solving this problem that's irresponsible, that we perpetuate this problem. Not only should coaches be doing it, it's imperative that coaches do it more often. Physical therapists and chiropractors who are doing it recognize that the coach won't. So they went and got additional education outside of their general schooling so that they can solve a problem that they understand exists within the industry. Thank God for those people. Those are the physical therapists and those are the chiropractors who you should be sending your clients to if you're not sure what to do. But it's not what physical therapy and chiropractic are meant to be. It's not what orthopedics are meant to be. That's the job of a coach. In fact, there's an undergraduate degree that would earn you the career of kinesiologist. Technically, there's some graduate studies there also. But a kinesiologist is the name of a practitioner who would help somebody get out of pain after the scope of a physical therapist and a chiropractor is over without medical intervention. And guess what? They don't have licensure exams. They are well-educated coaches. Insanity 
that we would suggest that coaches should not help people get out of pain. Insanity. Limiting. It's a limiting belief. It is the kind of talk that keeps coaches down. It's got to stop. Up next, the third thing I wanted to talk to you about is the pendulum swings oftentimes too far. And what can happen is that coaches can start to do things irresponsibly, which leads to the rhetoric coming out that you shouldn't be doing that at all. Simple examples of that are people who would jump off of what they're seeing on social media from people who perhaps have done great exercise research, have done great education. And they have said, this exercise might help you if you're dealing with this problem. But what's important is to understand that these people who are out there on social media spreading this information, they are doing it, we have to assume, with the best intentions in mind. And they are not suggesting that this is a treatment for the problem that you are having specifically. And I'll give you a simple example here. I believe the knees over toes guy account, he's a fucking genius. He's a world-class marketer. He has smart exercise principles. What he talks about works. And he's somebody who, if you're in the industry, you should be looking at and you should be saying, how can I be more like this? Valuable. Valuable. What he's not saying, what you need to be careful is to take what you believe he's saying and do something with it when it's not what he's saying. What he's not saying is if you have knee pain, do reverse sled drags. They're good for everybody. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you have knee pain, reverse sled drags might be a good idea. You need to now know, is that a good idea or not? He's giving the end client the tool to do something that might be helpful for them because the coach in their gym won't do it and the doctor that they go to didn't take the time to go beyond their scope because they're too busy in their scope. Somebody needs to help these people who fall in between the two. If we could get ourselves to a world in which the mindsets of scarcity dissolved, the fear of where's my next patient or where's my next client going to come from dissolved, we could create a world in which there were very clear guidelines for professions where physical therapists, chiropractors were taking people who were acutely injured, people who were dealing with pain on a scale of one to 10 that is a six and above. People who are struggling with permanent conditions, people who are post-surgical and need rehabilitation that a coach should not be offering. And every one of those people could be sent to a physical therapist or a chiropractor, depending on the appropriateness of that referral. And once those people have achieved their ADLs, their activities of daily living, the abundant-minded physical therapist, the abundant-minded chiropractor would make the referral from them to what we will call an active life professional, which is going to bridge that gap between what the coach can do and what the doctor can do. They are an elevated level of a coach. Their pricing, by the way, is not going to reflect the pricing of a coach because the service that they provide is more valuable. So expect to pay more. Next, when the active life professional has completed their course of helping that person Get out of ADL issues and past ADI issues, activities of daily interest. The doctor got them their ADLs. The active life professional gets them their ADIs. 
activities of daily interest. You want to be able to run? Great. Can't run at all? See a physical therapist. Can't run more than a mile? See an active life professional. You want to be able to lift heavy weight off the ground? Can't touch your toes without excruciating back pain? See a physical therapist or a chiropractor. Can't lift more than 200 pounds without back pain? See an active life professional. You have Achilles issues that hurt you when you run, but not when you walk, not when you're on a bike. And when you go to the physical therapist, they say, look, this is pretty good. What you need to do now is rest or give it some time and ease back into things. Go see an active life professional. And when you're done with that, if you want, go see a coach who's going to help you express your maximum level of physical expression. Take those physical abilities, the physical competencies that you've been gifted by the medical professional, the active life professional, and use them to build the body of your dreams. Go for it. What I believe will happen is you will find that active life professionals are expanding their scope because many of them will have started as people who helped individuals gain fitness or the maximum expression of their physical condition. And a lot of people will stay with their active life professional in a different capacity. But make no mistake about it. That will be akin to the physical therapist of today, the chiropractor of today, expanding their scope because they don't believe that somebody else is going to solve that problem. The most responsible physical therapists, the most responsible chiropractors and orthopedists of today are looking for great coaches with whom they can collaborate with. At Active Life, we get referrals on a regular basis from medical doctors, physical therapists, and chiropractors of people who are still dealing with discomfort when they maximally express themselves. And they tell us, we need your help to help these people. And the people who they are referring to when they refer to us are coaches, not other physical therapists, not other doctors. So to suggest that the job of the coach stops at discomfort and pain is a problem. The job of the coach with a weekend seminar stops well before discomfort and pain. Let's make that gap clear. The job of the coach extends into helping people reclaim physical freedom after a doctor has helped them reclaim ADLs or without a doctor if they never lost their ADLs. The job of a weekend seminar coach is to help people get sweaty, to help people get fit, to help people have fun. If the argument is, you shouldn't be doing this stuff after a weekend seminar. No disagreement. Term pro. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Life Podcast. Remember, if you feel inspired by our vision to humanize the healthcare industry, professionalize the fitness industry, and empower individuals to live their lives, to reclaim their physical freedom, to develop careers, helping people reclaim their physical freedom. All you need to do is head to activelifeprofessional.com, find the appropriate link that represents you, and get in contact. We'll see you there.